We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we've got a lot to say after the 49ers lost 33-17 to Colt McCoy and the Arizona Cardinals. So let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Well, that was a disaster man so i'm not i'm like really not hyperbole guy but i feel pretty comfortable saying that was the worst loss of kyle shanahan's tenure at least in the regular season i don't think it's close like that's a game where you host a team that you absolutely have to beat yes right the niners had to have that game yes and for Colt McCoy to be as comfortable as he was and for them to miss as many tackles as they did. And it just sort of flew in the face of, of what we learned about this 49ers team early on in the sense that like when they have bad games, a lot of it's because they like really suck on offense. Uh, The defense sort of carries the water, but the offense, you know, doesn't, doesn't play complimentary football in that aspect. But then, Today it was the opposite. It was the offense is moving the ball. Yeah, they had some some giveaways, but like Jimmy Garoppolo was not the problem today. Not at all. The problem was the defense. And they couldn't tackle anybody. And they let a team with a backup quarterback come in and just dominate them. And it was just it was jarring to watch because this this just isn't the the team that we thought it would be and now you know my takeaway coming from that bears game last week was well it could it could matter and it could be a turning point if they come in and play well and potentially beat arizona and now that bears game really doesn't feel like it means anything because they they couldn't follow it up like you have to win you have to win these winnable games if you're a good team that's going to make the playoffs and I was a dumbass who 
at halftime tweeted, if the 49ers come back and win, they'll be the seventh seed in the playoffs as of right now, because they would be four and four Minnesota lost. So they would temporarily be the seventh seed. Three plays into the second half, the Cardinals extend their lead because the 49ers can't defend a screen. And the game was just felt over at that point. Yep. Any momentum they got from that late second quarter touchdown was just gone. And it was like, wow, this is surprising because if there was the, like the defense had been the most trustworthy part of this team to this point. It was and it just first... completely let them down today. It was mis- it was a miserable performance from the defense. It was the first time. And I think this is where losing Robert Sala really rears its head because it was the first time under a Kyle Shanahan head coached team that it felt like I'm going to use this word, but like understand the way I'm using it. It felt like they quit. That's not to say they did. I'm not saying professional athletes went out there and, and weren't trying, but it felt like that's just, I don't know. I can't put a finger on it, but that's just how it felt when you were watching it. Like that touchdown to James Conner was like, did anybody, was anybody near the football? Did anybody try Like it didn't, it felt like there were way too many times there were either no hats around the football or bad angles or outright missed tackles. And those things accumulate to it looking like a team isn't trying not to, okay. Not saying they weren't, but that just hasn't happened yet. Even when they were bad in 2018 and in 2017 and even last year, it's like, man, this team is still playing really hard. Yeah. And they looked like, they looked like the team playing all their backups and we're sitting at seven and one going, all right, if we lose this game, it's not the end of the world. Let's just get to next week when we can get healthier. No, they were the team playing against the backups in a game they needed. Yeah. It didn't it, it's the first it's the first time that I think you can squarely look at the coaching staff from Kyle Shanahan on down and question like what the hell happened this week? Right. This isn't on the quarterback, this isn't on the injuries. This is they got beat by a way less talented team yeah no kyler murray no deandre hopkins no jj watt no aj green like the 49ers should have won this game by double digits like yes and i don't know how they come back from this and and the thing that i that i really took away and i had thought this sort of throughout the year but like it was really rubber stamp for me today was the idea that like Joe Staley, DeForest Buckner, and Richard Sherman are not in that locker room. And this is a team that has no personality, that has no identity, um, that has no calling card right now, and it doesn't have anything it can fall back on. It doesn't have, like, any verve, any, like, zest, any, like... They can't tell an opponent, like, no, you're not coming into our building and winning a game here, which is what good teams do. Right. Like they cannot talk with their pads and say, we're going to whoop your ass because we're better and we're the home team and you don't have your star quarterback and we're good enough to go to the playoffs and we're going to take care of business. They are not that team right now. 
And to me, that shows up in in just the attitude of the team in terms of the way they play. And, you know, Richard Sherman, one of the underrated things about him is that he empowered his teammates, right? Like he made Akella Witherspoon believe that Witherspoon was one of the best corners in the league. Right. Mm-hmm. And there were there were some times like some weeks where Witherspoon like, damn, that guy looks like a Pro Bowl type corner. Right. Right. And that was like he's inviting Witherspoon to his cornerback camp where all the elite cornerbacks are playing in the offseason and stuff. And like he coached and empowered his teammates. Right. Joe Staley had been through all of the struggles and, you know, went through the valleys of all the bad teams he was on and then had the Harbaugh seasons and like knew what that struggle was. Right. And the same thing was true for DeForest Buckner, who came in as a rookie in 2016 and went two and 14 and then was a constant in the team's rise back to prominence after that. Mm-hmm. And now, like, they don't have any of those guys to either empower teammates like Sherman did or that have gone through the struggles that really have that desperation, like Joe Staley did, who was like, this is my last year, maybe, or my last couple years. Like I'm playing with a sense of desperation and pride that is going to rub off on teammates. And I don't think there are people in the locker room that do that. And like, you could point to George Kittle, but it's only, that's only so effective when your guy plays in four out of the eight games. Cause he's hurt right after dealing with injuries last year, you're not getting that from your quarterback right now because the team already drafted his replacement. Right. Like Trent Williams, as good as he is, he's not that type of personality that Joe Staley was. He doesn't have the the same equity in terms of like sticking with the same organization for all those years and it being near the end. And he's, you know, really trying to go out on top and get over the hump because that's all he wants in the world. And I'm not saying Trent Williams doesn't want that, but he's more or less a mercenary, right? He's a free agent who joined the team and got a huge contract. Yeah. He's playing well, but he's he just it's there's not that emotional thing that came with Staley. And Buckner, like we've talked about Buckner. Buckner exemplified everything the 49ers want. I thought like you know, Bryant, Bryant Young was inducted into the team's Hall of Fame today at halftime. Mm-hmm. DeForest Buckner is basically Bryant Young. Right? Yeah. Like in terms of the presence on the field reliable a leader um and the 49ers just don't have that guy right now and even fred warner like fred warner has been good and deserved his contract but did not play well today no and it's probably unfair to ask fred warner to be deforest buckner and richard sherman right like he's 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 a leader for sure mm-hmm. but now he did like he got there in 2018. They had a rough year in 2018. Then they were good right away. Like Fred Warner hasn't seen the struggles of like two and 14 to becoming a playoff team. Right. And he has one all pro season under his belt in a year where they went six and 10 or five and 11 or whatever, whatever they ended up going last year, six and 10, six so, and 10. So it's that's not, what I wrote about for the bees. Just like they, they don't have, they're not playing like a team that's like empowered that has this like real sense of urgency like 
we have to win the game. Like we have to win. We have to win these games. Right. It just doesn't feel like they're playing like that. And in turn, they don't have the confidence right now that you get when you string a bunch of wins together against good teams that just lends to playing better. They can't win a home game against the Colts or like they can't beat Carson Wentz and Colt McCoy on their own field right now. Like that's where this is. They're three and five and they got the Rams next week. And it looks like the Rams are going to come in off a loss tonight to the Titans and they're going to be pissed off. Right. So it's not, it's mm-hmm. not going to be a Rams team that's cruising that like might overlook the 49ers. The Rams are going to be coming in hot because they're going to be pissed about this game that they're losing to Tennessee right now. So it's bad. Like this is really bad. Like it, to me, it goes beyond like X's and O's and like, you know, there are a lot of little things that went wrong in that game. But to me, it's like, man, this team just dev- is completely devoid of personality. And they, you know, it was like they had those two turnovers early in the game and went, oh, there's another one. Right. You know, it just it it felt like they went down 17 nothing and for the most part tapped out. Yeah. And that's just not that's that's a sign of all the things you're talking about. There's nobody. There's on no the side, like right rallying now. the guys. There's no, it's just, it's just 11 dudes just doing football guy stuff. Eric Armstead was, I asked Eric Armstead about like, cause Eric's arms, Eric Armstead is a team captain, right? And yeah. like the 49ers in essence made a big bet on Eric Armstead being to replace, being able to replace DeForest Buckner, not necessarily from a production standpoint, but from like, all right, you're, you're the guy in that room right now and eventually that'll be nick bosa but i don't know if bosa has the personality to be like a leader like that right and maybe and armstead clearly doesn't like as armstead like how do you how do you rally your teammates as like a team captain and get out of this and like he's not a fiery personality guy but armstead's answer was like well i'm a lead by example guy and people have said bad things about me and my career and I've dealt with adversity and injuries and I've bounced back. But it was also just the way he said it, like nobody's running through a wall because of Eric Armstead's experience, right? Like Eric Armstead is not motivated. I do not get the impression and I'm not bad mouthing Eric Armstead, but I just do not get the, the impression that he has the type of personality that guys are going to rally around. Sure. And when you pay a guy, 17 and a half million dollars a year like he needs to be somebody to be like all right we got like we got eric in our foxhole like we're gonna be good like i trust this guy to help us get out of this and he's not that guy and that was the reason why i wrote about about it post game was like this is not a team that has the just the leadership the, the guys who are providing the backbone for for what a strong locker room is in terms of resiliency they just don't have that right now how much of it do you think has to do with and i'm asking this like like actually asking i'm not doing the hypothetical thing but how much of it do you think has to do with hypothetical wasn't the word i was looking for rhetorical rhetorical thing sure. um how much of that do you think has to do with the fact that the 49ers traded all those future picks to get Trey Lance and sort of signaled 
like, hey, the guy that's going to play quarterback for us this year isn't the guy. Yeah. But go try and win anyways. Like, we're going to worry about the future here, but also go try and win now. Yeah, I because think that's a, huge, I, it, that's a huge part of it. It's such a difficult thing to navigate. Absolutely. It's 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 antithetical to like it's hypocritical to a point, right? Like it's it flies in the face of the idea. And like I said it after the Colts game, like you cannot sell the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo gives you the best chance to win while you just sold the farm to replace him. Right. And and part of like talk like I, I bring up Sherman and, and how he like empowers teammates. Kyle Shanahan doesn't feel like he's empowering anybody right now except Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like Kyle Shanahan hasn't gotten much out of Brandon Ayuk with the exception of these last two games. The mm-hmm. rookie class is giving the 49ers nothing right now, in part because it seems like if they have a bad week of practice or a missed assignment during the game, they're just not going to play the next week. Like Kyle Shanahan isn't giving these guys opportunities to go out there and learn like you've had, we've all had bosses, right? How much do does everybody appreciate a boss who so, who shows faith in the employee and says like, "Man, you're good at this. Go do your thing," right? And I get this is football and the stakes are different and whatever, but it's like it feels like all these guys are playing puckered to the point where like they're so scared of making mistakes that they're not empowered to the point of like going out and being productive. When you're scared to make a mistake that's when you're the most susceptible to mistakes and the only 1000%. Yeah. And the only guy Kyle Shanahan has signaled a lot of faith in this year is Jimmy Garoppolo. Who's the guy he already replaced. (laughs) It's wild. So it's like his whole, the the whole season is a contradiction, right? Right. Like, Oh, we we're, we're a super bowl team. We're good enough to to win the Super Bowl or get back to the Super Bowl because of what we did in 2019, and we still got a lot of the same pieces here. But we don't have any long-term faith in our quarterback. Right. And the locker room is supposed to respond to that how? Right. Like, oh, yeah, we have a ton of faith that we can win the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo, even though the organization signaled that he's not the guy. Right. (laughs) So it's like, it, it's and the, it's the understandable fun- why there isn't this this sense of urgency that the team has. The funniest thing was Kevin Kugler on the broadcast today for Fox talking about how offended the 49ers locker room gets at all the outside noise about Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's like, hang on, you know, this is going on because of the head coach and the move they made to get their backup quarterback to replace Jimmy Garoppolo. That's why the stuff is coming in from outside the locker room because of what the head coach did. Yeah. Like this isn't, this isn't all fake, like unwarranted stuff. It's wondering what the heck the head coach was doing by drafting a quarterback third overall and then never playing him while the starting quarterback wasn't very good. Yeah. And it's crazy because I mean, Garoppolo has been really good the last couple, couple weeks to be fair. Yeah, he was good in the second half of the Bears game, and and I thought he was good today. Like, he, he wasn't great, but he was good. And it's probably a different game if Brandon Ayuk doesn't fumble and George Kittle doesn't fumble. Totally. But at the same time, even if you give the 49ers 14 points there, like, it didn't feel like they were winning a shootout in that game based on the way their defense was playing. Sure. 
but the game script's a lot different too if yeah i mean it, it just it, everything plays out different but um the other the other thing i want to get back to your point on the rookies it's not like ambry thomas and diamador lenore and aaron banks are behind uh you know prime Darrell revis and prime richard sherman and quentin nelson like it's dan brunskill who wasn't good again today fyi josh norman who was on the street until the 49ers signed him before week one and drake kirkpatrick who was on the street before the 49ers signed him in week three or whatever and then made the worst play i've ever seen a cornerback make against the colts and he's still option one off the bench yeah it's insane that when josh norman gets kicked out of the game today put ambry thomas in See what he's got. Yeah. Is it going to be worse than Drake Kirkpatrick, who got <laughs> railroaded by Eno Benjamin? I don't know. But you got to figure it out. Kirkpatrick is not like, he's not a competitive player. And he's not even league at, he's, he is an, I'm going to use our buddy Samus Fondiari from the Light Years podcast, uses the term unserious player. <laughs> and Drake Kirkpatrick is an unserious player. What is yeah. what is Drake Kirkpatrick? What is and I don't mean to harp on Drake Kirkpatrick specifically. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but in this instance, what does Drake Kirkpatrick give to the 49ers that is so valuable that Ambry Thomas or Diamador Lenore can't get on the field? I agree 100, percent and I don't have that answer. And I think it's something that Kyle Shanahan's going to have to answer here over these next couple of weeks. It's, it's because it doesn't make any sense. And it's not even like if it they're three and five. Wouldn't you, not rather, getting, yes. wouldn't you rather play Dante yes. Johnson over Drake Kirkpatrick? Yeah. Dante Johnson is at least a serious player. <laughs> like he's, he's been the primary backup for most of the season. And like, to your point after the Colts game, that was like one of the worst plays. That's probably the worst play the defense has made all, all year. It was an was unserious that, uh, play. before today. Yeah. Unserious player is just not, like Eno Benjamin is a seventh round pick who's their third string running back. And he just dump trucked Drake Kirkpatrick. Yeah. Dump trucked him. Like didn't even Drake Kirkpatrick. There are a lot of times where you like miss a tackle, but it's enough to disrupt the play to the point where other guys can come make the tackle. It was like, no, like Eno Benjamin lowered his shoulder. Kirkpatrick was on his back. And then there was a wide open lane right to the end. Didn't even slow him down. No, like, didn't slow him down at just all. Just in stride, railroaded him. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, and then on the offensive line to get to the Aaron Banks thing. So this is, I have a couple things here, and I think you might be able to articulate better than I can. But okay, if Aaron Banks isn't playing because he is a danger to the people he's blocking for, like it's going to get somebody hurt because he's so bad. Okay but that's a bigger problem because you drafted the guy in the second round yeah. and he can't even suit up. So if that's the case, then fine. But I know practice time's limited, but Jalen Moore has gotten zero burn at right guard that yeah. you can't put him out there and not enough reps at right tackle that you can now I know switching sides on tackle isn't super easy, but he hasn't gotten enough reps that Tom Compton is your best option there. Tom Compton played half the game and gave up two sacks. That's abysmal. It's just like, 
I feel like we harp on the same things every week, but every week there's some different aspect of the roster management that gets a light shown on it in another bad loss. And we have Tom Compton, unserious player. Yeah, I I agree with you 100%. I thought Jalen Moore should have been the starting right guard from week one. You said it on the podcast. He's one of their five best offensive linemen. Kyle Shanahan said that. Yeah. Yeah, Jalen Moore is. And another issue that I don't, that doesn't make much sense to me. The 49ers, I mean, this, this isn't, the 49ers ran the ball 11 times today. And a lot of that is because they were down big, but even in the first half, they, they were like two to one in terms of run uh, pass to run ratio. Mm-hmm. Why can't Elijah Mitchell play on third down? Because Jermichael Hasty doesn't give you anything on third down. And I don't think it's a it's a coincidence that the 49ers are bad on third down and have Jamichael Hasty playing on all their third downs. Right? Like Elijah Mitchell, clearly one of your best offensive players. Third down, the most important down. And Jamichael Hasty today, three catches, eleven yards. One carry for two Hell yards. Yeah. Trey Sermon's inactive. Like, if you're worried about Elijah Mitchell hurting his ribs more. Why, why not have somebody split reps with him on first and second down and then use Elijah Mitchell more on third down because Elijah Mitchell had five catches on five targets for 43 yards, 8.6 yard average. Good player. Good player. He averaged four and a half yards a carry. He only got eight. And like, I just, they got Jeff Wilson Jr. active, though. Who didn't play? Zero snaps. So, like, Kyle Shanahan, who used to be so good at managing a running back group, a group of running backs, and rotating them in to the point where us as viewers and people covering the team had no idea which running back was going to go off that week, and it would be dependent on game plan and specific plays and who was the hot hand and all of that stuff. And now it's just Elijah Mitchell on first and second down, Jamichael Hasty on third down. And Jamichael Hasty, mm-hmm. fine player, whatever. He does not give them much on third down at all. And you're taking one of your best playmakers off the field on third down in favor of Jamichael Hasty for reasons that go beyond me. Because Elijah when... Mitchell proved today he can catch passes. And maybe Jamichael Hasty is the world's best blitz pickup guy, but you're using him as a receiver. That's right. So what are we doing? Yeah, I don't even think he's he's that great at blitz pickup. No, he's like but five eight and you, like one ninety. <laughs> if you're the if you're the opposing defensive coordinator, and it's third and three, and you see Elijah, Elijah Mitchell leave the field, you're like, yes, great. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't understand it. It there's there's no parts of what the 49ers are doing offensively with their personnel that makes a lot of sense no and you could say you could say the same thing about the way their secondary is being handled too and i don't know if this is Corey unland or D'Amico ryan's or what making this call but it's just like the cornerback thing is just so odd like there's no way to reconcile the fact that drake kirkpatrick is somehow more playable than Ambry Thomas or Diamond or Lenore. There just isn't. 
even Dante Johnson is more playable than Drake Kirkpatrick. Right. And you've harped on Corey Undlin before from the standpoint of like, he was a coordinator on one of the worst defenses in recent history. And now he's a Niners secondary coach and I get their different jobs, but like the 49ers drafted two cornerbacks and neither of them are contributing at all. When it was very clear, they needed their cornerbacks to contribute. Yes. What they did with the secondary hasn't made sense all year. And it was, I mean, we talked about it when Jason Verrett went down. They banked on Jason Verrett's health and lost and then had no option outside of that. And you can say, well, they drafted two cornerbacks. That's great. But those cornerbacks are not playing. One of them is not even suiting up. So. Have they okay, had both of them suit up th- in a game this year? I don't think they have. Yeah, they both played in Detroit. Okay. That Good was pre Drake Kirkpatrick, though. In the Drake Kirkpatrick <laughs> era, they have not both suited up. So now, like I said, I don't want to I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but Aaron Banks, Trey Sermon, D'Amador Lenore, who I thought was fine when he was playing. Like he had yeah. some mistakes, but you learn by playing. Uh and and Amory Thomas, that's four draft picks that can't get on the field. Like there's a larger issue here than the 2021 season because the, the 49ers are just burning draft picks. Yeah. If it turns out again, if it turns out maybe they drafted Trey Sermon to play with Trey Lance and he's going to run for a thousand yards next year. And maybe Ambry Thomas just needed a year after taking 2020 off and he's going to be fine. And Diamador Lenore is going to be a great slot corner and everything's going to be okay. But as of right now in the 2021 season, when they could use some reinforcements on the offensive line in the secondary, get some help at running back. They can't lean on any of their draft picks. That's not good. No. And it's a theme that, okay, week one, it's kind of weird. Week two. Okay. We're in week nine. Yeah. We know they have bad players that continue playing. Right. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence. Like, Talanoa Hufanga is doing an okay job, but he got to play a ton. Well, he played in preseason. He, then he got some snaps here and there, and now he's starting. And he's getting better as he continues playing. Yep. I didn't... The, the baffling thing with Trey Sermon specifically is that I didn't think he looked bad against the Seahawks. In week what, 89 yards? Yeah. And then he had one one carry against the Cardinals, and I think it went for like seven or eight yards, and that's the last time he touched the football. Yeah. I don't get it. And I, like I said, I hate to keep harping on the same things, but the 49ers keep losing because of the same issues. Right. So that's kind of... They haven't been I mean, at home Nick, in 13 months, basically. Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa said it. That <laughs> like when you're turning the ball over and you can't get takeaways, you're that's a sign of a bad team, and that's what the 49ers are right now. 
I think that sums it up very succinctly. Like on paper, it makes sense, but what they're doing on the field, and I wrote about this at Niners Wire, but I understand there's nine games left, and maybe they go seven and two in those nine games and they make the playoffs. But it's hard to circle anything concrete right now that says like, oh yeah, that could happen. I'm 10 and seven sounds like impossible based on what we just saw. Yeah. And that's probably, it's probably going to take nine or 10, 10 wins, which means they basically have to be one of the best teams in the league for the rest of the season to get to the playoffs, given that they're three and five. Yep. And the problem is they've given no reason through nine weeks to think that there's some switch that's going to flip. Yeah. And ultimately, I think, I mean, there were a lot of issues today and not a lot of them related to the quarterback. But ultimately, I think that is the biggest issue facing this team because it's impossible to get everybody to respond to this message that Jimmy Garoppolo gives us the best chance to win. Right. Cause I don't like yes. Jimmy Garoppolo has equity in the locker room. And I know a lot of people talk about how, you know, Jimmy's well liked and, you know, they love him as a leader and all that. And I'm not saying that's untrue, but it's really hard to believe that to your core. When you see your coach, decide this is not the guy long-term for us. And then like watch Trey Lance play really well in training camp, make a bunch of really unique plays and connect on deep passes in the preseason in a way that would open up the offense and, and raise the ceiling overall. And then be like, Nope, we're going with Jimmy. Is Jimmy healthy? Well, his calf's a little bit nicked up, but you know, I can't really push off and make and make these throws but you know we we trust him a whole lot more than the rookie who's not getting practice reps who's not (laughs) getting game reps you know so it's like yeah you can justify not playing trey lance because he's not ready but you're not doing anything to make him ready like people talk about mac jones you know why mac jones is playing well because he's playing right he's getting all of the first team reps he's getting all the game reps do you know why Jordan Love didn't play well today? Because <laughs> he didn't play as a rookie? Because he hasn't been playing. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, it's, it's just wild. a contradictory. I mean, this goes to show that it's basically impossible to win and develop a quarterback who you're not playing at the same time. What the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith is basically unprecedented. It's super unique. And, and Alex and Smith was good. A lot of that uniqueness resides in Alex Smith and how willing he was to be that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like Alex Smith was fine with it because it happened to him before. They had already been a playoff team. And you could trust Alex Smith to be an efficient quarterback. Like you already had a roster good enough to get there. Mm-hmm. And now it's like the 49ers are clinging to 2019. And it's like, that's just not there. 2019 is gone. You're not replicating that. That's not coming back. 2019 was gone when they traded DeForest Buckner. Agreed. In 2019, they embarrassed a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah. A lot of starting quarterbacks. It was a lot of like 
this was this quarterback's worst performance of his career type of nights. It took like two thirds of the season for people to really come around on the Niners. He was like, oh, they haven't played anybody, right. but they were dominating everybody they played. That defense was would just embarrass offenses. What they did to the Packers was insane. What they did twice to the Packers. Yeah. And now they can't even beat Colt McCoy. Oof. Yikes. So. James Conner, though. Three, three tutties, 176 total yards, I think. Untackleable, on my, apparently. On my, on my bench in fantasy. Yikes. Tough scene for your boy. Tough, tough scene. I wonder if I still won. There were a lot of a lot of just banana scores in the league today. I'm so glad that I lost my survivor pool last week. Because <laughs> I definitely <laughs> would have lost this week. I don't know what game I would have taken, but we thought Cincinnati was good, or I thought Cincinnati was good. They lose 41-16 to Cleveland at home. A week after losing to the Jets. I write, yeah, I write power rankings for the B. And I had good Dallas luck. number one this week. They lost to Denver at home. They got they did not to lose to Denver. They got smoked by Buffalo. Denver. Probably like I think I had Buffalo as my top team in the AFC in my power rankings. <laughs> they lost to Jacksonville. Mm. The Raiders. One of the better teams in the AFC. I know they're going through some stuff. Lost to the Giants. Like, what is happening? The Rams lost to Tennessee by 12 points at home. Without Derrick Henry. Without Derrick Henry. So if there is a silver lining, it's that a lot of weird shit happened in the league today. And maybe the Niners losing to Arizona was just some weird shit, but I don't think it's weird shit based on what, how this season has played out. Man. Do we want to go through pick six and get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Let me talk about tick pick first, though. Let's do it. I know right now, as you listen to this post 49ers lost to the Cardinals, that going to a 49er game may not sound like that much fun. I get it. I understand it. But the 49ers next home game is week 10 against the Los Angeles Rams on Monday night football. And let me tell you, there's nothing better than being in the stadium. And then they announce that they're going live to ESPN and the Monday night football theme drops. And there's this really unique electricity that kind of like ripples through the crowd and anything can happen on a Monday night. And if the 49ers go in and beat the Rams, who they always play tough on Monday night football, um, it really puts a lot of this Cardinals loss behind them. And you'll want to be in the building for that. And there's no other place that you should be getting your tickets then tickpick.com. It is the single greatest place on the internet to get 49ers tickets. You want to know why? It's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for any and all NFL tickets. So TickPick got rid of those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge where you find these really cheap tickets, and then you go to check out, and all the fees and everything wind up being more than your actual tickets. I've experienced that more than once, they've eliminated those. It allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on a different ticket site, 
TickPick will give you 100% of the difference in the purchase price. I had a couple of buddies hit me up. They wanted to go to a Niners game and they said, hey, do you have a plug on tickets? No. First of all, like, who do you think I am? I blog about the team and I do a podcast, but I can hook you up this way. I can hook you up with TickPick. TickPick.com slash candlestick. And they went there. They got their tickets. They had a great time at the game. Despite the outcome, they had a great time at Levi Stadium. So you should do the same thing because you want to be in the building for Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles Rams. I'm telling you, if you haven't been to a Monday Night Football game, there's no experience like it. It's one of my favorite things to do as a sports fan. You can be there for the best price with tickets from TickPick.com slash candlestick. Use that link today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's TickPick.com slash candlestick. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, let's get into pick six. Pick six. We each pick three players that we think are going to have a good game that week for the 49ers. And then we arbitrarily decide who wins on the post game pod. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, I started this week. I had the first pick. I took Elijah Mitchell, but eight carries for 36 yards. He also had five catches for 43 yards. My main takeaway was that they can't give the ball to Elijah Mitchell enough. Agreed. I thought they got away from running way too early. And I know they fell behind, but there was no run pass balance, really. Um, The first play of the game was a nine-yard run to Elijah Mitchell. The rest of the series was passing plays. And they punted. And like mm. I said, at halftime, it was, I think it was eight runs and 16 passes. And they only had, what, three or four runs in this entire second half. And I get, you're behind. But like Kyle Shanahan after the game was like, oh, they're, they're in a lot of six-man fronts and all that stuff. It's like, okay, they're in six-man fronts. You run wide zone. You should be able to like get away from all the humans who are crowding right. the tackle box. Right. Um. But they need to be balanced. The reason why you move, you're moving away from Jimmy Garoppolo is to get a quarterback that can do things when the box is loaded and you can't run the ball. And if you have Jimmy Garoppolo, it's been proven 
over and over again that you need to be able to run the ball well if you're going to win games. You can't just have Jimmy pass it 40 times and win. That's just not how it works. It happened a couple times. New Orleans, 2019, again, 2019 is gone. So, yeah, I'm with you. Elijah Mitchell needs as many touches as possible. And he needs him on third down, too. Yep. I think they need to go to more of a committee backfield. Yeah. Maybe throw I mean, Trey Elijah Sermon Mitchell in the mix. Uh, seriously, like... <laughs> I, Jeff I Wilson know, Jr. will play more ne- next week, I would think. In his dark place. They, Second pick? Uh, hold on. One, yeah. one thing on Sermon. Yeah. They have such little faith in Trey Sermon that they would rather have Jeff Wilson Jr., who has had three practices total since May, be available to play over Trey Sermon, who's been mostly healthy throughout the whole thing. A guy they I, traded I need to... two first two fourth round picks to move up in round three to get. I know you wouldn't get a, a good answer, but I would love it if you asked Kyle Shanahan, like, what the hell's up with Trey Sermon? Yeah, like I'll 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 ask tomorrow on the conference call, or I guess. But today. yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it'll get I'm sure it'll get asked, but like, I just want to know the real answer. Like I I don't want to I don't want his oh Trey's a player that we have a lot of faith in, and you know Jeff's been around, and we just, just wanted to we can only have this many running backs up, so we had to have someone down and blah blah blah. Like no, dude, just say he is bad at X. He is not good enough at Y. Yeah. Like that's, that's what I, I don't need the, we can only have this many running backs up and special teams and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't need any of that. <laughs> I want to know why Trey Sermon, who you traded two fourth round picks to go up in the third round for, can't put a Jersey on. Yeah. Anyway, pick six, give it to me in black and white coach. Yeah. Second pick your first pick Debo Samuel gutted out a calf injury, five catches, 63 yards. Had a nice 32-yard catch. It looked like it might be one of those like game-swinging type of plays. It wasn't. They punted. He's fine. 63 yards, five catches, nine targets. He had a drop on the first series that I think led to the punt. Leads the NFL in drops, or at least came into the league with two more drops than any other receiver. I think he, has, he had eight, so give him nine now. I think he has nine. Um, so as good as he's been, that's the area he needs to improve, which is... I mean, it's it's funny because he's one of those guys who can make some incredible catches in traffic, but also just drop slants like frequently. It feels so, like he drops a lot of easy ones. Yeah. Anyways, Debo Samuel still has the most receiving yards of any Niners receiver through eight games. Good stat. Jerry Rice was there today. Hey, can I shout out Keanu Martin real quick? Anytime you want to shout out Keanu Martin, you can. Keanu Martin, the Niners team reporter, who has like an incredibly difficult job because she's the team reporter, but also like the in-house MC during games. So she, she has is to run a around and like interview superhero. people on the field and on the scoreboard, and then also like do what we do and like write about the games for the team website it's and all that. Totally insane. She pulled out the ultimate power move. She she had a guest. She talks to former players and. Uh, people like on the field pregame on the jumbotron. Um, she had a guest bail on her <laughs> like ten minutes before she's supposed to go on, and she's just like, "Oh, let me text Jerry Rice and see if he'll do it." 
<laughs> and then just she's just like, oh, yeah, Jerry will do it. Jerry's my guy. Ultimate power move. Just text like, oh, let me just text the greatest receiver of all time. See if he can do this for me. And then Jerry goes on and it was fine. I couldn't really hear it. But so shout out to Kiana. She's a baller. Anyway. That's incredible. Like, let me just get Jerry Rice on the horn real quick. Do you know how do you know what I do that with you? Someone says, hey, do you have somebody who can talk Niners on my radio show? Like, yeah, here, call Chris. I got you. <laughs> yeah. She does it with I Jerry mean, Rice. That's she knows crazy. she flexes though when she does it, I think. Does she do the No, she doesn't do the she doesn't do the branch sniff, but you can tell she's like, you know, I mean you 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 couldn't not be. You're like, oh hold on, let me just get let me just get like, yeah. No, the, yeah, one of the best players a, ever yeah. real quick. You're you're <laughs> get him on the you're not you're not an asshole if you flex after doing that. You're an asshole if you don't. Like what? It's not a big deal. <laughs> out of here. It's not a big deal. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. The, what? Yeah. She's a superhero straight up. Um, third pick. My second pick, Nick Bosa, four tackles, two quarterback hits, tackle for loss, forced fumble, whiffed on a sack of Colt McCoy uh, that would have brought up a punt. Nick instead extended a Cardinals drive. Not his best game. He didn't. Yeah, it wasn't his best game. It, it, it didn't feel like Bosa was like super thrilled with the way things were going. Like he didn't have the best body language. Which just getting bummed out about getting chipped again. I mean, I don't know. Like just being bummed it's out. Like, weird, why the can't vibe we is anybody? weird, dude. The vibe is so weird. Yeah. The vibes are off, man. It's a bad, it's a bad vibe right now. I'm a big vibes guy and the vibes are not, not strong. Vibes are bad. Nick Bosa, not that good of a game. Fourth pick. Your second pick, Trent Williams. Yeah. Um, Take it my away. Whole, my, my whole thing with Trent Williams is like, well, Chandler Jones is probably with, with no J.J. Watt. They're probably just going to play Chandler Jones over Mike McGlinchey the whole time. So Trent Williams should be, you know, Marcus Golden or whoever else. Mm-hmm. And should probably just be fine because he's been one of the best players in the NFL this season. Full stop. It was fine today. I don't know. I'll have to go back and watch the tape, but like didn't feel like a great offensive line game. It wasn't bad, yeah. but like they, how many times did Jimmy Garoppolo sack today? Four or five times? Five. Five. Yeah. Five. He got a lot. sacked eight, eight sacks through his first six starts and then got sacked five times today. Yeah. Not it's a good not offense. great when Tom Compton has to come in. <laughs> but Chandler yeah, Jones, that- Chandler Jones, by the way, hadn't had a sack since week one. Tom Compton comes in first snap, gets his first <laughs> snack since week five or since week one. <laughs> Tom Compton just gave just gave Chandler Jones the spark he needed to turn around the season. <laughs> He's like, "Who's that over there?" Yeah, I'm gonna line up on that side this snap. Yeah, let me get this sack. Congrats to Chandler Jones, the Arizona Cardinals all-time leading sack person. If there's good news surrounding that situation, it's that Jalen Moore is probably going to get worked in at right tackle at practice. And Kyle Shanahan said he didn't play Jalen Moore at right tackle because he's played basically left tackle since the start of training camp, which is fine. It's hard to it's hard to switch sides. Mike McGlinchey told me one time it's like learning to wipe your butt with the other hand. Right. Sorry for being gross, but if you can imagine that. Don't try it. <laughs> that's what that's what that uh, feeling is like for an offensive yeah. lineman. So that's what I always go back to when guys have to switch. But yeah, Moore's I'm with you in that Moore is definitely one of their five best offensive linemen. And he should he should play right tackle 
if McGlinchey is out for any significant time now. I think Trent Williams had about the game Nick Bosa had. I was like, it's fine. Yeah. Subpar for their standard, but probably as good or better than most players in the NFL. Uh, fifth pick, my final pick, Brandon Ayuk. Finally had a really, really nice game. Eight targets tied for the team high. Uh, check that. Debo Samuel had the team high with nine targets. But Brandon Ayuk, eight targets is his high for the season. Six catches, 89 yards, a touchdown. Had a couple of really nice grabs. He did fumble in a pretty crucial spot. 14 nothing Cardinals lead. Uh, Brandon Ayuk makes a catch, gets it down to the eight, and then fumbles. Led to a Cardinals field goal. They made it 17 nothing. Um, but Ayuk, the last two weeks, has 15 targets, 134 yards, and a touchdown after not reaching those numbers through the first six games total. So he's back. He looked really good today and looked like the potential number one receiver that we saw last year, which is a really good sign for him, not just for this year, but I think down the road. Made some great catches. I think the best catch Mm -hmm. he made was the play he ended up fumbling on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's a bummer because it's a really nice grab. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, the question is, is like, all right, Brandon Ayuk's had a couple of nice games in a row now. Like, why did it take so long? Yep. Why did it take five, six weeks in the season for this thing to click? Kyle Shanahan's method is working. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's it's very odd. Baffling. Very odd. But if Ayuk is good, like it's he's going to help him win games. Yeah. The Niners offense should steamroll people if Brandon Ayuk plays up to his potential Debo Samuel continues the level he's at and George Kittle works back into the mix and I don't want to get crazy but let you know if Elijah Mitchell can like play on third down maybe that that adds relax over there (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I mean you you saw it today you let's let's say they score on the the two plays they fumbled on right they're sitting with 31 points I mean, that's, and that's, that's assuming everything goes exactly the same. Like, I, I think you take away those, those turnovers, the game script's different. I think you see more Elijah Mitchell, you see a more balanced attack. It's harder to stop. I, I just, I, I think they score a ton of points today if they don't have those two early giveaways where they fell behind 17, nothing. You get the crowd into it. Yeah. Like just I, I would have flat. to think it's like really hard to play in front of a home crowd when they're just like collectively like Ugh, this again. It's hard you know? to be a home. It's hard to be the home crowd when it's oh, oh this again. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Like if you're if you're in the stands, and the Cardinals go down and score, and it's seven nothing. It's like all right, and then you immediately fumble, yeah. and then immediately fumble again. I know it's seventeen nothing before you've had a second beer. Like good lord. Yeah. No, I know. And it's Colt I'm not McCoy. The fans. I'm just saying. Colt McCoy revenge game. If, if they get in the scenario you mentioned, like they get touchdowns on those series that they fumble, the crowd is probably much more into the game. And then maybe totally. the defense has a different energy about it and maybe they can actually tackle somebody. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Last pick. Six pick, your third pick, George Kittle. Welcome back, George Kittle. Six catches, 101 yards and a touchdown and a fumble. 
first because nothing can just be a fumble. good. That's not right. Yeah, that's a thousand percent wrong. First lost fumble like he's fumbled before, but this is the first one he's lost that was recovered by the other team. Am I misremembering the fumble he had against the Falcons? That one went out. Oh, of that bounds. was a fourth down that went out of bounds. I don't know if it was fourth down, but it went out of bounds and it like. Yeah, it was a huge play in that game. But he didn't. I'm going to look it up it once this podcast is over. Yeah. But no. And uh, he said he's going to have a football with him 24 seven for here on out. I don't know what that means, hmm. but. Sure. I wonder how Claire Kittle will feel about that. George, <laughs> <laughs> is that a football? Um, and you respect what he was trying to do on what he was trying to do on the play. Like he's trying to hurdle a guy and get extra yards, but you got to take care of the football, man. Isaiah Simmons is a good player. He's all right. He's a good player. I mean, he's had two very good games against the 49ers. So, um, by the way, he fumbled out of bounds, uh, and then the Niners had to kick a field goal when it was a third and four. And had he gotten the first down, it would have iced the game. Right. But instead, they kicked a field goal that gave Atlanta the ball back and allowed him to go score. Yep, I remember. That's what happened. I remember that being a very big play in that game. Yeah. Back when, like, losses were semi-Niners were good. Yeah, when losses were like semi acceptable, you're like, well, a bunch of weird stuff happened, and you right. know they they had just won a crazy game in New Orleans, and you know they've already well, beaten the Saints and the Packers, so they have the the whole shot right. to the the first seed. Like it's not the end of the world if they lose that game because weird stuff happens. Now it's like, all right, you don't have that margin for error because you're not winning any other games. <laughs> yeah, and that's 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 what's been another strange thing about this year is. Every game that they've lost, it's been like weird stuff happening. Where if you have one or two of those a year, it's like whatever, but it's seven of them now, or five, six, five, three and five, three five and of five. them now. Like the Colts game, it was raining and they had, you know, a, a couple turnovers early. And then this one, they had the early turnovers and it was Colt McCoy starting. And Aaron Rodgers had the crazy comeback after the Niners' crazy comeback. And Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt against the Seahawks. It's just not, I don't, it's been a weird year from the jump. And it yeah. just keeps getting weirder. Yeah. The, I don't um, have a lot of answers. I wish I did. Six and nine. The, the, the teams of 49ers have beat Philadelphia, Chicago, and Detroit combined mm-hmm. records of six and 19. Is that right? Yeah. Ooh. So they haven't beaten a good team yet. And they've lost to Colts at home and the Colt McCoy led Cardinals. Maybe so, it's just things named Colt. Sure. Indianapolis Colts, Colt McCoy. Yeah. No, no Colts next week, I don't think, on the Rams. No. So Cooper Cup is kind of close. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it could be really ugly next week, and we'll talk about it as we preview the game. But it could also be like the triumph: Forty Niners yeah. three and five overcame everything to 
take down one of the best teams in the conference and now their swagger is back, but I'm not counting on that. I would love to be able to paint that narrative, but I can't even like fix my mind to lay out how that would happen. Yeah. It's hard to have faith in them right now, but, and I want to make another point. I know I mentioned it before, like Kyle Shannon is not getting fired. So like, let's, he's not, he's 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 straight up not. He's having a bad year, and I don't think he's done a good job this year at all. Mm-hmm. But he has more equity than that, than just like, oh, a bad season means he's done. Like, ultimately, what's and- going to define Kyle Shanahan in the eyes of Jed York is whether or not Trey Lance can be the franchise quarterback going forward. Yep. And I think, and I asked some other writers about it, like, in my opinion, like, the earliest Kyle Shanahan would be fired would be after 2022. If it's clear next season, Trey Lance is not the answer and he stinks which I don't think is going to happen. I still have faith in Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan to develop Trey Lance, even though he's not doing it right now for whatever reason. Um, but I think the earliest he'll get fired is next off season and potentially maybe during next season. But I think he's safe for this. Year. There's a lot of benchmarks to hit before that happens. Yeah. And the other thing, the other thing I want to say about Kyle Shanahan is this is the first time because I said something during the game about how the team too regularly lacks urgency in spots where they need it. And I said, clock management isn't one of Kyle Shanahan's strong suits. It's something I'd like to see him improve. And I got hit with a lot of responses. Like he's coached 70 plus NFL games. If he hasn't fixed it by now, he's not going to. And I want to push back on that for a couple of reasons. One, Andy Reid got, shelled for bad clock management for a long time um two the 49ers haven't been in a ton of spots where it's mattered that much and three this is the first time shanahan is dealing with actual adversity that he can't just point to the injury situation and say well if garoppolo is healthy or if this player was healthier, oh, you know, Nick Bose is out. It's t- like there's no there's no excuses anymore. And if he's any kind of coach, which I think he is, I think he's a smart. I think he's I think he's a smart guy. There's going to be some reflection on what happened this season because he's not going to be able to go. All right, injuries. We'll get healthy and we'll just keep doing what we we're doing. And 2019 will happen again. It's going to force him to look inward a little bit. And figure out like, okay, hey, in this spot uh, against the Packers in a game that we lost, it could have been handled differently. How can we handle that differently? In there was a point today where they were, it was 31-14 with a little bit of time left in the third quarter. And they were like huddling up. And yeah. it's like, there you need, there's, th- there's, you need three scores. You may not get three possessions. Like you got to maximize these. So. Um, I think this is going to be the first time that he's actually had to look at himself and change things about himself. And if there's not a little bit of some kind of discernible change next season, um, that's when I would start to get concerned about his long-term viability as a coach and also the trail. He should have went for two after the IU touchdown today. Yes, that's probably the IU touchdown. They could have made it a 16-point game, a two a two-score game if they get a two-point conversion there after right. being down 24. 
Um, right. He didn't. He said they thought they would have more possessions than they than they did. That ultimately was not true based on how the game played out. He also punted on fourth and 13 in Cardinals territory down three scores, which is like pretty egregious as it happened. But then they got the ball back in roughly the same spot, like two minutes later after forcing a three and out. So it wasn't it was a bad decision at the time. But the way it turned out, pinning him deep and then getting a three and out there, whatever it was, the Cardinals right. didn't move the ball. It wasn't that bad in hindsight, but no, it wasn't a good. It was Kyle Shanahan overall hasn't been particularly good in game management. From, <laughs> the other, in my the opinion, thing about that, the, the thing about that fourth and thirteen punt was how like helter skelter it was because it was like okay, let's go for this, and then halfway through the play clock was like ah, never mind, punt. Right. And so the punt team had to just run onto the field real quick and snap it immediately with one second on the play clock. And it just, the way, it, the way it was handled was just, I, I don't know. It's like I said, it's the first time he's hitting adversity where he can't just write it off on injuries. And it starts with the coaching staff. The Norman thing was weird because he said that he took Norman out of the game immediately after that personal foul penalty talking with Cliff Kingsbury or whatever. And then it wasn't his decision to keep Norman out of the game after that. So it was Corey Enlin or D'Amico Ryans. And like, so you just watch, like, you know, you know, Drake or Patrick, you know who he is as a player. And you were just like, yeah, cool. Josh Norman's out. Fine. You know, like, I don't think Josh Norman's awesome at this point, and he obviously lost his cool and made a bad mistake uh, with that taunting penalty, but it was also like, get him back in the game because he's a lot better than Drake or Patrick. So, anyway, that was weird. And, like, I, I would think the co- the head coach could be like, hey, let's let's get our best corner back in the game because we kind of need him over this. Can I give you my Josh, can I give you my Josh Norman take? You know, Benjamin. Yeah, go for it. I don't think he should play another snap for the 49ers. (laughs) You just go Deanna. Yeah. A, because a, because he's not good enough. Like it's not like, Oh man, Josh Norman's so awesome. Um, He has to play. If he's going to not be good and then also get a taunting penalty after a third down stop, after a flag already got thrown on their coach, that's going to move them back 15 yards and give them a really long field goal. And you can't not pick up a taunting penalty, <laughs> then don't be on the field. Like it's not, he doesn't, it's not the play isn't good enough to justify that egregious of a mistake. Yeah, I agree. I it would agree. J- but it I I did think Norman should have been put back into the game at that point. Or Embry Thomas. Anybody but Drake or Patrick, really. I think that's ultimately the point here. It should not have been Drake or Patrick. So anyway, let's get out of here. We'll have more please this week. But yeah, just not not a great not a great game for the Niners. I thought I was like, oh, oh Kyler Murray's out. Like they 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 should have won that game by two touchdowns. Yes, thousand percent. Um hopefully a special guest on Wednesday's pod. We are still efforting, but hoping to have a special guest for Wednesday's pod. Get excited. <laughs> I'm excited. It's called a tease. Um, and then, yeah, so we'll uh, have a Wednesday pod. We'll have another pod out Friday. Normal schedule this week. 
Thanks everybody for listening. Subscribe, rate, review. If you have not, tell all your friends. Uh, we're going to keep bringing you 49ers content, whether they win or lose. So, thanks everybody for listening. See you guys. Bye. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.